Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue with our series, There's an App for That. We'll be looking for God's apps that make us better people. Today, Lead Pastor David Fossil guides us as we look at faith and the effect it has on our lives. We'll discover that faith is something that happens to people every day as they trust in Jesus. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to page 851, Hebrews chapter 11, page 851. If you grabbed a Bible on the back, page 851, we are continuing our series called There's an App for That, and having a little fun this week, I just uh, went online and, and started to look at all the different kinds of religious and spiritual apps that you can get for your iPhone or your smartphone or such. I want to share a few of them with you. Let's put one up there. There's one called Granny's Bible Dojo. This is, a, this is a scripture memory app, and apparently if you don't say the scripture memory exactly how it is, Grandma Karate Chops you. So, uh, I don't know. Go ahead, put the next one up there. Oh, this is, for, this is for Catholics, okay? Catholics, this is called confession. If, if you as a Catholic don't want to go to Mass and don't want to do confessional, all you've got to do is go get your app, and you just do it right on, on, on your phone, and you're good to go. So... I'm just trying to help my Catholic friends out. I'm just telling. Okay, so the next one, Christian dating. Okay, for my single friends here, I, I, you might want to get this, but just a warning. It only costs 99 cents, so don't expect much is all I'm saying, okay? <laughs> this next one, what's the next one? Oh, this is one of my favorite. Now, just look at it. Just look at it real quick, and right away, you're going to figure. This is called Christian dance or Christian praise dance, Okay. And what they do is they teach you dance moves, okay? You see the little arrows, you get the little dance moves, okay? To Christian music, right? How cool is that? Now, there is, I got to tell you, Apple Store has a big warning on this one. And actually, there's a code preventing Baptists from buying this one, okay? Because <laughs> uh, we wouldn't want Baptists to start dancing. They might lose their salvation. So um, I can say that because I grew up Baptist. <laughs> That's funny. Um, this is, called, this is called Roman Road. Roman Road. If you have a friend, co-worker, neighbor, classmate that doesn't know Jesus and wants to know about the saving, saving hope of Jesus Christ, you wouldn't want to have to actually talk to them and share your own faith. So what you do is you get your phone, you go to Roman Road, you show them the pictures, you let them read the little things, you're good to go. You don't even have to say anything. Roman Road. Check that out. Okay? The, oh, this one. Okay, some of you are going to want to get this. Sermon. If pastor sermon isn't very good in the morning, <clears throat> what you're going to want to do is get, go on here and listen to another sermon. Now, I understand you can actually program it, okay? And, and so you can listen to sermons that don't have any 49er or cat jokes. So you might want to check that out, okay? Some of you might want to get that. Okay, I think the last one, I got one more. Now, this one I'm not goofing off. This is serious. You should all get this. This is free. It's called Version. I have this. Um, it gives you devotions. It gives you a Bible reading plan. It gives you, it reads the Bible back to you so you have in the car or whatever. It's ac- absolutely fabulous. The church produced this and is giving it away for free. So I would encourage you to get that. Now, all I'm saying is that if you, if you thought about something, application that you want on your phone, whether spiritual or not, there's a good chance that someone's already made it. Okay? Now, we started this, this series last week. There's an app for that. But the key is discover God's apps for a better you. And last week, the application we talked about was forgiveness. Kind of fits with Easter. This morning, the application we're going to talk about that God has for every single one of us today is faith. Last week, forgiveness. This week is faith. It's one of the key components 
for you growing uh, to, to please God and you becoming a better you. Faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be. Now, if you're jotting down notes, one of the biggest issues that we have with faith, if I told you to take that little three by five card and write down your definition of faith, we'd get like a hundred different definitions. One of the biggest problems is we can't define what faith is. Okay? If there's anything you get today, I want you to get this definition. Let's put it on the screen, okay? De- now, it, this is the kind of thing you want to write in your Bible, honestly. Now, if it's one of the Bibles on the back table, don't write on my Bibles, okay? If it's your own Bible, you can write in it. Definition. It's trusting and obeying God in spite of circumstances or consequences. This is one of those things you literally want to memorize. Forget writing on your notes. You want to memorize this. Okay, faith is trusting and obeying in God in spite of circumstances, in spite of consequences. Now, uh, uh, unlike what most people think, um, faith is what's called the universal denominator. Everyone has it. Everyone practices faith. It's not just for quote-unquote church people. The issue is we practice faith in different ways. For example, every single one of us expressed faith this morning when we went into our shower and turned on the knob. We had faith in our hot water heater that it was going to produce hot water. We trusted it. We had faith in our car's engine when we sat in it. Okay, we have faith in the postal system. Well, hopefully, if we put an address on on the envelope that it's going to arrive where we want it to go. Every single one of you expressed faith this morning, not in Jesus Christ. When you walked into this room, every single one of you within 20 seconds of walking in that door expressed faith. You know what you did? Expressed faith in the chair you're sitting on. I saw no one test it. No one. Everyone, you trusted that it was going to hold your weight. That's faith. It's just trusting. But the object of our faith, according to this book, is not trusting in a chair or a hot water heater. It's trusting in Jesus Christ. See, if we don't feel good, we go to a doctor whose name we can't produce. They give us a prescription that we, don't, we can't read. We go to a pharmacist we've never met, and they give us a medication. We don't know how it works, but we go home and we pop a pill every day for three weeks. You know what that's called? That's called a life of faith. You trust the doctor that they have your best interest in heart. And that's what faith is in, in respect to God. You trust that he has your best interest at heart. But the other component of faith is the obedience part. Now, this is like looking at a house from the front and the back. It's still a house, but it's got different components and it looks a little bit different, okay? Uh, uh, trusting is one thing, but now it's following through and doing what he wants you to do in spite of circumstances. In other words, not only when it's convenient. Not only when it's the popular thing to do, not only when it's the easiest thing to do, in spite of circumstances or consequences, have you realized by now that being a Christ follower will not always benefit you? It won't necessarily benefit you at school sometimes or at work sometimes or with friends sometimes. It's not always, quote unquote, a benefit in the world to be a Christ follower. Faith is obeying and trusting in God in spite of consequences, in spite of circumstances. You have to nail this down. You have to understand this in your mind. Now, one way you further understand faith is understand how we misuse our faith, okay? We practice our faith in all kinds of different kind of ways that the Bible never intended us. Let me, let me share with you what, what I mean. Let's put it up on the screen. Every single one of us has done at least one of these at, at one point. Some of us express our faith like a spare tire, only in case of emergency, have you ever been in that boat? I'm not into God. I'm not following Jesus. 
But my life falls apart, and all of a sudden, I need God's help. I want Jesus' help. Now, that is a good instinct, actually. But if that is a regular practice in your life, so now once my life gets back to normal and things are going good, then I'm, I bail on God until something else fall, falls apart, and I, need, I have another flat tire, that's a problem. Don't use your faith like a spare tire. Some of us express or, or, or use our faith like a birthday cake, only for special occasions. When do we get birthday cake? Oh, once a year, special occasion. That's how some people are with their faith in God. I, I, I'm into God once a year, you know, Easter, maybe Easter and Christmas. You know, just special occasions, weddings. You know, you got to have a pastor there. You know, we're not going to put him in the photo album, but we got to have a pastor there, you know. <laughs> it's true, I never get in the photo album, I'm upset. <laughs> some of us express our faith like a cruise, only if I'm enjoying myself and having fun. Woo! If I'm having fun, then I'm into God. If not having fun, not so much. You know, th- and this is me saying this, um, as someone who, goes, who makes a big effort to make sure sermons are interesting. I really do, because I think it's a sin to make God's word boring. Having said that, if the sermon is boring, if the entire church service is boring, that does not give us a right to bail on God and bail on our faith. Do you realize how dangerous that is? Do you realize that if, if, if the church that you end up going to, whether it's this one or another one down the road, um, and, and it doesn't, it's not fun for you, you've basically turned me and others into entertainers. And you need to realize very, very quick, my goal uh, given to me by God is not to amuse you. It's to challenge you. It's to help you grow closer to God. You want, it's very, by the way, that's why Terrence and I, our our students, pastors, spend so much time talking about how do we get our Tuesday and Wednesday kids here on Sunday morning? Why? Because Tuesday night youth group and Wednesday night youth group, as a lot of youth groups, a lot of fun, right? There's pizza parties and there's games and we got balloons that we're popping and all, whatever, right? We don't do that on Sunday morning. But if you don't get a teenager from Tuesday or Wednesday to Sunday morning, but when they turn 19, they're gone. They're gone. All that effort wasted. That's why it's such a big deal. Because some people, whether you're a teenager or adult, look at their faith like it's being on a cruise ship. Some of us express our faith like voting for a political candidate. Only if I agree with them am I going to vote for them. If not, I'm voting for the other dude. Right? And if I don't agree with either of them, I'm not voting for nobody. Have you ever done that with your faith? I'm into Jesus, I'm into church, I'm into God. And then all of a sudden, one Sunday morning, something comes up. Oh my goodness, he wants me to do what? I'm not allowed to do what? I don't think so. I'm out of here. We've expressed our faith like voting for a political candidate. That's so dangerous. What if some of our thinking is flawed and we don't know it? That's the point of coming to God's word. That's the whole point, right? Some of us express our faith like riding bark. Only when it's convenient, only when it's going in the direction I want it to go. Now, here's all I'm saying. Let's just be honest. Every one of us has done at least one of those. You want to just make sure that doesn't become a pattern in your life. And you don't distort what faith has become, okay? So one of the ways to understand faith is make sure all the things that it isn't, okay? Uh, This next clip, I want you to watch a movie clip, very famous movie, very popular movie. As you watch this just minute, two-minute clip, I want you to ask yourself this question. What does this clip teach about faith? 
Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. It's a fun movie. But what does the clip imply about the word faith? Well, it implies that sometimes you just, you, you just got to check your mind at the door. Don't think. No, 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 don't think. Just do something. It's not going to seem normal, logical, or make any sense whatsoever. That's the implication, right? And I'm, there's nothing wrong with watching Indiana Jones, but sometimes we transfer that understanding t- to this scenario, right? Misconceptions about faith. It's a blind leap into the dark. It's devotion to any god or religion. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim, Hindu, Sikh, Christian, Catholic, whatever. You're a person of faith. Well, I guess in the general sense, but not in the biblical sense, right? Uh, or it's adher- adherence to any set, to a set of beliefs. Because some of us grew up in churches. You ever grow up in a church like this? As long as you believe the right things about Jesus, God, the Bible, baptism, end times, and a couple others, if you just believe the right things, doesn't matter how you're living. If you believe the right things, you're good. You're a person of faith. Unfortunately, it's good to know the right things, but that's not faith. That really is not faith, okay? Faith is trusting and obeying in God in spite of consequences, in spite of circumstances. Now, Hebrews chapter 11. All I want to do is I want to give you five examples of what faith looks like in everyday life, okay? Hebrews 11 is a wonderful chapter on faith, but it's way too long for all of us to go through. I'm going to give you five examples if you're jotting down notes. Number one, what is faith? It is believing even when you don't always see it. It's believing even when you don't always see it. Verse 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's interesting, these words in here. The word sure literally means they're to stand under or to support. It's literally what a beam does or a pillar does. It supports something. And then the word certain was a word used in court for evidence. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that faith is having the certainty, almost like evidence, that God is who he said he was, that Jesus is who he said he was. One small problem, wait, not so fast, Dave. Then it tells me I'm supposed to do this even if I don't see it. Well, how am I supposed to do that? If I can't see it, how am I supposed to believe it? 1960, JFK stands up before our country and makes an announcement that drove NASA crazy. You remember what he said? He stood up before our country and said, within the decade, we will put a man on the moon. The only problem with that statement is that at the time, there, we had nowhere near the technology to pull that off. Nowhere near. But because JFK was the kind of leader he was, he believed it before he could even see it. You see, sometimes that's how it works with biblical faith. Sometimes the Bible says you aren't going to understand it until you believe it. It's not going to all completely make sense. You can't, if you're the kind of person that has to see it, taste it, smell it, touch it, before you believe it, you're going to have a problem with your faith. I'm telling you now, you're going to have trouble. Which is weird, because even people who study science, we don't see subatomic particles. We can't see gravity, but we know it exists. We believe in it. Faith is believing in Jesus Christ and believing what he can do for you, even though you don't see it. Okay? I didn't see Jesus come out out of the tomb. But faith is believing that. Now, it's not checking your brain at the door. Don't misunderstand me. But it is, it is doing that. Let's go to the next one. Number two is that faith is giving even when I don't have it. Look at verse four. Giving even when I don't have it. By faith, Abel, this is first couple chapters of, of Genesis. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than his brother Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. Question, 
Does God speak well or think well of your offering? Well, I, I don't know. How, how, how do I know if he thinks well of my offering? Well, it's actually not that hard to figure out. The Bible tells us when God is pleased with our offering. By the way, why does this come up as the second example in the, quote, chapter of faith? Well, it's because throughout the New Testament, it's very clear that my faith is connected to my finances. What I do with my finances and what I do with my offering is a direct reflection of my faith and can either build my faith or, or, or it'll go in the opposite direction. It says this over and over and over again. They are not separate. They are connected. Okay? So how do I know if God is, is, is pleased with my offerings? Three things. I gave with the right motive. Why did you give? Are you giving to impress me, the person sitting next to you, or out of guilt? The motive. Motive matters. Why are you giving? The right attitude. The Bible talks about giving with a joyful attitude, not begrudgingly, not because you felt like the screws got turned on you. No, you give joyfully. So the right motive, the right attitude, and the last one is the right amount. The amount you give does matter. Don't think that only if you give with the right motive, and oh, I gave with a joyful heart, then you're good. Oh, no, no, no. The amount matters as well. See, instinctively, we already know this. If, if, if my family goes out to eat, right, and um, we go to, to Applebee's or something, and, and our bill is 50 bucks, right? Well, actually, that would have to be like without Joshua, okay, because he gets it up. <laughs> Let's just say 50 bucks with the two girls, right? Um, how much tip should I leave, more or less? Well, I've been told at least 10%, at least 5 More likely, it should probably be 8 or 9 Am I right, more or less? If they're really good, 10 or more. Right? If you've been a waiter or waitress, instinctively you know it more. There's someone who's been a waitress. More, higher, higher. Right? At least. Question. Question. What if I left one buck? Yeah, someone's finding a new church right now. They're very upset. Okay. <laughs> Not good. Instinctively, we all know this, right? Don't, what if I said, well, I gave with the right motive and the right attitude? I thought you did a good job. Good job, Cheryl. You did good. Okay? doesn't matter, right? Because instinctively, we do know the amount matters, don't we? Same with God. How, how does it not work that way with God? It always has worked that way with God. And in the story of Abel and Cain, Cain does it all wrong, Abel does it all right. It's, it's a reflection of your faith. And Abel, we see in this story, he gives even when he doesn't have it. He gives the first portion of what he has. What does faith look like? It's believing even when I don't always see it. It's giving even when I don't always have it. The third thing, it's serving even when others don't help. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, when... when war, oh, I have this one on the new LT. Let's put it on, look it on the screen. There's a New Living Translation. says it a little bit different than the NIV. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, there's the faith, who warned him about things that had never happened before. What had never happened before? Well, a couple things. One, he's building a cruise ship miles and miles and miles from any body of water. Dude, man, you've been like smoking a little too much. What is going on? Right? And that's, they made fun of him over and over again. Two, they, sorry, I did that. That was my bad. <laughs> okay, get back with me. God's word. Second thing, it hadn't rained for years. 
Hadn't rained for years. They were in a drought. Third thing, no one would help him. He was putting the job on Craigslist. No one wanted it. The only people that helped him were his boys. A couple members of his family. By the way, they worked for 100 years, 120 years. What impresses me is that Noah kept going. How do you have the perseverance to do that that long? One word, faith. You know what, God? This doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I I don't completely understand it, um, but I'm going to do it anyway. Speaking of understanding, it leads us to the next point. Faith is obeying even when I don't fully understand. The main issue, the main character example in, in Hebrews chapter 11 is this guy called Abraham. And in verse 8, we read this about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. What I think is interesting is Abraham is 75 years old when God tells him to go to to this distant land. He says, basically, I'm going to make you and your descendants into a great nation in this new land. And Abraham's like, uh, <clears throat> God, you know, I'm like 75. My wife, Sarah, is as well. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I can't even go to Concord without stopping to go to the bathroom. I'm going, well, how far do you want me to drove? I got to go get a camel now? What is, where am I going? And he goes, oh, I'm not going to tell you. Now I'll tell you when I get there. Can I map quest this? Nope. No, I'm just going to tell you when we go. How do I know when I've arrived? I'll tell you. He has no clue what's going on. Honestly, sometimes I feel like we Bay Hills are in this trip. God's just like, just go. I'll tell you when we get there. You know? He has no clue what's happening. He should be collecting social security, and his life is thrown into social insecurity. But he obeys God even though he doesn't fully understand. I asked my wife, Sandy, a while back, if she had ever been put in a situation um, where God told her to do something, and even if it didn't make any sense, she did it anyway. She said, well, like, you mean other than marrying you? You know? <laughs> See, now that wasn't meant to be funny. That was... One of the, this one book that I read was very helpful in explaining this component to me. Because some of us, we're like that, aren't we? We're the, we're the, it, the no, I'm not going to say smart ones, we're the thinkers. There's nothing wrong with being a thinker. But let me give you a warning. If you're the kind of person that is not going to trust God or is not going to obey God, until you fully understand it, you're going to have some issues. You're going to have some issues. Let me, let me show you how this works. Let's put this next slide up there. Isaiah chapter 55. God is speaking to you and says this. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, instinctively, we know this, don't we? We know God is, quote, smarter than us. But he goes on to explain how much smarter. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth. Stop right there. The distance between earth and the highest heaven. That distance, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Okay, so let's just work this out. Let me, I wrote this out to make sure I got it right. Astronomers have identified galaxies 12.3 billion light years away. Okay. Now, to put that in perspective, light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second, which means that it takes light from the sun to the earth, the 93 miles between the sun and the earth, eight minutes to travel that distance. 
the galaxies that astronomers have discovered are 12.3 billion light years away. Did your head just kind of like go, I can't even figure that out. I can't even picture that. And God says, okay, check it out. Here's how this works. The distance between your thoughts and my thoughts are 12.3 billion light years away. On your best day, your best thought, it still falls 12.3 billion miles light years short of my thoughts. Now, does that mean you're not allowed to ask questions? No, the questions are good, but you got to be careful because there comes a point in time when you have to say and you have to just trust. I know enough to understand who Jesus was, what he did for me, and how am I supposed to live from here on out. You've got to get to that point. Well, I don't understand it yet. You know what? You've got to get over some of it. God's bigger and smarter than you are. This would be like me going to an advanced PhD calculus class, but I struggled with algebra in junior high and high school. It doesn't matter if I'm sitting there. I'm not going to figure it out. I'm not going to comprehend. And if he showed up and hadn't met with you at Starbucks tomorrow and explained it all to you, you'd be like, yeah, no, I don't get it. (laughs) But you can understand enough. You can understand enough in faith. It's, it's believing. It's trusting. It's obeying, even though I don't always understand it. The last one, and I'm going to wrap up. It's sacrificing even when I experience pain or when I have to give up comfort. Verse 24 at verse 25 now begins to give us the example of Moses. And in those verses, here's what we read. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why is that a sacrifice? Well, that's like the president's daughter saying, no, I don't, I don't need to be known as the president's daughter. Well, you get some perks for being the president's daughter. That's what he's given up. He's sacrificing. He chose, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short while. Identifying the obvious point that sin can be a ton of fun for a short while. But he says, I'm going to give that up. I'm going to sacrifice that for the sake of God. Let's put the next slide up there, the next verse. We read, he, Moses, regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead uh, to his reward. Well, what does it mean if I have to sacrifice for Jesus? It means exactly what you think it means. That's exactly what it means. Sometimes you're going to get teased. Sometimes you're going to get taken advantage of. Sometimes you're going to get overlooked for a job promotion. You're going to sacrifice for the sake of Jesus give up some comfort, or in some cases, even endure some pain. Pain? I I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, that's part of our problem. You don't know this man, but this is an individual that I have been challenged to go uh, teach in Uganda. That is Pastor Simon. Every year, as you know, I go to Africa. I've been to Ethiopia, South uh, South Africa, went to... um, Liberia. And while I was in Liberia, they were this SOS organization was trying to get me to plan to go to Uganda. Pastor Simon is one of the guys that leads uh, some of the churches in Uganda. He works at a radio station, preaches the gospel over the radio, and is the pastor of a church. On January the 29th of this year, see, it wasn't publicized in the United States very much, but during the month of January and February, um, there were uh, Islamist extremists throughout the continent of Africa um, that were attacking Christians and burning churches down on the 29th of this month after preaching at the radio station four extremist Islamic guys 
did this to Pastor Simon. What's the difference between Pastor Simon and Pastor David or Pastor Linda or Pastor Joy? One difference. Where we live. That's it. That's the only difference. You know what you call that right there on the screen? You call that faith. Understanding that sometimes I have to give up my comfort. I'm going to be hurt for the sake of Jesus Christ. Is that going to happen to me? I sure hope not, but it might. I'm going to be honest with you. Now, we as a country, we don't have those kind of things happen to us. But faith says you've got to be willing to sacrifice. And if you look at that, think about what we whine about when it comes to sacrificing. Think about it. This is happening to brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. But what is faith? It's believing when I don't understand it all the time. It's giving when I don't have it. It's serving when no one else will jump in. It's obeying when I don't understand it. And it's sacrificing even if I don't want to. Let me give you two summary verses from the book of Hebrews. Let's put the next slide up there. The object of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I got to tell you, every once in a while as your pastor, I will hear someone from Bay Hill say, yeah, no, I believe in God. I have faith in God. And I just got to tell you, it always makes me just a little bit nervous when I hear that. Because this book really does not speak about a generic faith in God. It speaks of a specific faith in the person of Jesus Christ. If you believe in God, you are like 95, 96% of the rest of the world. This book speaks about the author and the object of our faith, which is none other than the person of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is all about Jesus Christ. It's the entire theme of this book. That God sends his son Jesus to reconnect you to God. He should be the object of your faith. Now, in this series, I'm trying to challenge you to do something. God wants you to do something. And then I'm showing you the benefits. What do you get out of the deal? Well, real simple. Chapter 11, verse 6 says this. Let's put it on the screen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you just flip that and put that in the positive... Get faith, please God. Now, I, I'm assuming that's why you're here. Why else would you be here? You, you want to please God, or you're at least interested in God. Get faith, please God. I mean, do I have, I, do you need more points? I think that's pretty good. Uh, by the way, that comes with uh, you know, eternal life and salvation. I think that's a pretty good gig. So get faith. Grow your faith. Trust him. Obey him. Sacrifice for him. Give to him. Serve him. There's all these different things you can grow your faith and get faith. Always focus it on the person of Jesus Christ. Because if it's not on Jesus Christ, you're in deep, deep trouble. Let's stand. We'll close in a word of prayer. I will let you get going. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've taught us. Help us be a people of faith. Help us be a church of faith. Help us be a congregation that trusts you and that obeys you in spite of circumstances and in spite of consequences. Father, I thank you for all the examples of men and women that we saw here in 
the book of Hebrews, and men and women around the world, just like Pastor Simon, uh, people who are giving us an example of what it means to be someone who follows Jesus Christ and who grows in their faith. Help us be those people. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.